0: Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whenever you happen to be listening to this podcast. This is the Jayhawker Talker podcast, a podcast affiliated with the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. My name is Mark Van Sickle. Before we get rolling with today's episode, don't forget to download, subscribe, give it a five-star rating, tell five friends who love the Jayhawks about this podcast, and we're going to keep this thing rolling. We are into football season. Basketball season is just a couple of months away, and I cannot believe it. The Kansas Jayhawks are now a football school. That's right. It's We've been talking about it. We've been building it up for the past couple of years as Lance Leipold took over this program as head coach. Yeah, it was rough in year one, but last year, as predicted before the season, they win the six games. They get to a bowl game. They almost win the bowl game and have a winning record on the season. This year, they come in with higher expectations Yes, I may have been the only person in America to predict Kansas to win 10 games this season, including getting a bowl win, but they have come out on fire. Another great win for Kansas last weekend. It was a twenty 34 uh, 23 victory over Illinois, a team, an Illinois team, by the way, that had high hopes this season after coming off a second place finish in the Big Ten West last year. You had uh, Illinois having uh, some hype around them this year. They had a little bit of a slow start in Week 1, much like the Jayhawks. Uh, But both of these teams coming into Week 2 with a 1-0 record. And the big thing for this game, for the Jayhawks, they had their starting quarterback, Jalen Daniels, back. After a surprise scratch in Week 1, you had... Jason Bean, come in and start. Uh, Nobody really saw that coming. Even when you were out at the game, out there at David Booth Kansas Memorial Stadium, they announced Jalen Daniels as a starter, and then he didn't even play at all in that first game. I think Kansas knew. Missouri State, not the best competition. Uh, Jalen Daniels had been dealing with a... Back tightness, some sort of uh, back issue that lingered throughout the month of August. And they just wanted to play it safe. They didn't want to go out there and tweak it in week one if they could give him an extra week rest. And I think that Kansas made the right call there. They bring Jalen Daniels back for week two, made his season debut. He threw for 277 yards on 21 of 29 passing, including two touchdowns. And one of the craziest throws I have ever seen a KU quarterback make. Now, let me set the table for you here. After dominating in the first quarter, KU gets out to the 21-0 lead. Illinois finally gets on the board with a touchdown of their own right before halftime. 45 seconds left in the first half. Now, you look at this, sometimes in college football, NFL, whatever it may be, 45 seconds left in the first half. Many times, coaches are going to say, well, it was a good first half. You know, we're ahead 21-7. Let's just kneel it down, take it to halftime with a 14-point lead. Not Lance Leipold. Not Lance Leipold. Not with Jalen Daniels as his quarterback. No, no, no. He doesn't go there and kneel the ball down. That's not going to happen with Jalen Daniels. With 45 seconds, that's plenty of time, especially when you have all your timeouts left. You got Jalen Daniels. He says, go out there, grip it, and rip it. Let it fly. So you got Jalen Daniels out here. After leading him down a couple plays close to midfield, Daniels takes the snap, takes a five-step drop, avoids the sack, moving to his left, has to do a roundabout, move backtrack to the right, moving full speed to the right sideline. He throws up a perfect spiral 50 yards in the air to Luke Grimm, who made an amazing catch for a completion 50 yards down the field as KU gets into the red zone. Two plays later, after a pass interference call in the end zone, Kansas gets on the board with another touchdown, 28-7 lead at halftime. It, it was just, for what Kansas football has been in the past, this just makes you feel so good as a Kansas Jayhawk fan seeing Lance Leipold have trust in his players especially at the quarterback position to go out there and make plays with 45 seconds left before halftime not taking the knee like we all saw it happen even 2 years ago when Leipold was the head coach you see him all right we're within 7 at halftime we're we're losing going into halftime but we're still going to take a knee because that's good not anymore That is the old Kansas Jayhawks. Now this is the new Kansas Jayhawks. You have Lance Leipold as your head coach. You have Jalen Daniels as your starting quarterback. And this tandem, you always got to have a good head coach and a good quarterback. That's how you're going to succeed in football. Kansas has that right now. So you've got a 28-7 lead at halftime. And at that point, the game was over. (laughs) The Illini touted this great defensive front heading into this game. Kansas had no issues moving the ball. And once again, we talked about it last week, it was the running game that set the table for the passing game. The running game, if you looked at the offense coming back from last year, 91% of the offensive production came back for this team. Their entire running back room back. They did lose an offensive lineman, but they restocked. Offensive line looks great. So you had the running game setting everything up. You had the real deal, Devin Neal, 120 yards and a touchdown on 10 carries. Incredible game from Devin Neal. Two games in a row, Devin Neal, superstar. You had Daniel Hyshaw, who was coming back from a hip injury last year. In week one, he only got four carries. They were kind of slowly bringing him back into the fold. This week, you had Daniel Hyshaw as the full-time second running back, getting 12 carries for 98 yards and a touchdown. So you've got your two running backs. You've got your your combo there with Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw. Both of them getting touchdowns. Then you have uh, Devin Neal adding four receptions for 47 yards as a receiver. Last week he had uh, several receptions and a receiving touchdown as well. And then you look at this veteran receiving core led by Lawrence Arnold, who had five catches for 89 yards. And you had Luke Grimm talked about his incredible 48-yard catch from Jalen Daniels earlier. He ends up the game with three catches for 69 yards. Nice job by Luke Grimm getting those catches. So when you look at this team as a whole... I think we all expected the Kansas offense to be elite this season. When you bring back 91% of the offensive production from the 2022 season, the offense is expected to be elite. You had the entire coaching staff coming back. That was something that hadn't happened within the Kansas football program in 15 years. It had been 15 years since they kept the entire coaching staff together. The continuity between the staff and the players, it is showing. And it's showing early. But you expected that. You expected the offensive production to remain high, and you expected them to be elite on offense this year. And that's what they're doing through the first two weeks. Now, what's been pleasantly surprising to me is the way the defense has stepped up in the first two weeks. Now, you look back at week one, there wasn't much to take away from that game because you're playing a lesser Missouri State team. They did come out and they got several sacks in that game. They forced some turnovers. That's what you wanted to see in week one against a lesser opponent like Missouri State. But then when you play a team like Illinois, who finished second place in the Big Ten West last year, who had a pretty good running attack, who had a veteran quarterback, you saw a team in Illinois this past week who you thought, eh, they might give the Kansas defense some problems. Well, what does Kansas come out and do? Six sacks. Six sacks against Illinois last week. Nine tackles for loss. And besides one play, one broken play, where uh, the Illinois quarterback snuck out and ran for a 72-yard touchdown, it was kind of a fluky play, a broken play. Besides that, the Kansas defense looked incredible. You look... The Kansas defense is locked in, and that's all you got to ask for, especially when the offense is elite. If you can get a locked-in defense, that's all you need from the Kansas Jayhawks. And if this defense is going to do that, moving forward, look out, America. The Kansas Jayhawks are coming. Last year, the Kansas Jayhawks started making a little bit of noise early in the season, and then Jalen Daniels got hurt. They dropped off a little bit. The Kansas Jayhawks are for real. They aren't going to be here to, maybe they'll surprise some people. I, for one, am not going to be surprised if Kansas gets eight wins this year, if Kansas gets nine wins this year, if Kansas gets 10 wins this year, like I projected before the season started. Look out. They're on their way. But the, the Jayhawks are showing once again that they're for real. This time it's not just the offense, but it's the defense doing their fair share as well. Going to the season, we knew for this defense that the secondary was going to be a strength. That was something, when you looked at the defense, you had some guys on the defensive line move on to the NFL. You had some guys graduate. So, the defensive line was a big question mark. You had all your linebackers coming back. You had your cornerbacks. You had your safety and Kenny Logan Jr., so the secondary, that was going to be – that's kind of what we felt was going to be a strength of this defense. Their linebackers, I even thought, could be a strength for this defense. There was question marks along the defensive line. How were they going to be able to get after the running backs? How were they going to be able to get after the quarterbacks? Were they going to be able to stuff the run? There were some question marks there. But two weeks into the season, I know it's a short sample size right now, but it was good to get it out of the way in week one against Missouri State. And then to see them against a Big Ten opponent in Illinois dominate like they did up front, it was incredible. They held the running backs from Illinois that were supposed to be pretty good this season to 70 yards rushing. They got six sacks on the quarterback. They had nine tackles for loss. And yes, the secondary still lived up to their hype. Two interceptions against Illinois. They had a couple of interceptions in week one as well. They only allowed 200 yards passing as Illinois was trying to play catch-up in the second half. It was an impressive game for the Kansas Jayhawks all around. Kansas with that big win over Illinois. 34-23 in another home game. It was a blackout game. Hats off to you guys who were in the stadium last week. Looked incredible on TV uh, as Kansas did the blackout game. The jerseys look spectacular. My mom was texting me saying she didn't really like the look of it. Maybe it's a generational thing. But I really liked the all-black jerseys. Really cool. I hope they do it again sometime. Some people were talking about maybe they'll bust out the black jerseys around Halloween every year from here on. I don't know if they're going to do that. I'd be for it. But everybody with their black the, the the student section last week, everybody wearing their black shirts, uh, called them the blackout game on Friday night football. Just incredible. Incredible job by everybody out there. Uh, all you fans, the players, the coach, everybody out there at the booth on Friday night last week did a great job. So good job, Kansas. Off to a 2 0 start after a big win over a Big Ten opponent this past week. And now they look forward to to The next challenge, which is going to be Nevada. Now, I say the next challenge, but they're playing a pretty uh, how do I put this nicely? A pretty terrible Nevada team. I'll just say it like it is a pretty pathetic uh, N- Nevada team at this point in this season. Nevada 0 2 on the season, of course. The Jayhawks 2 0 going to this one. Uh, Nevada lost in week one to USC. USC, of course, is a top 10 team. Supposed to be a Pac-12 title contender. Supposed to be potentially a national title contender with Caleb Williams, uh, the future number one NFL draft pick, uh, Heisman Trophy winner, everything like that. Uh, So Nevada losing in week one, 66-14 to USC. Not a huge surprise there, not a huge shock. But then when you see what they did in week two, uh, Nevada hosting their first home game of the season in week two, they bring Idaho in. Idaho is not really known for being a great football team. Uh Idaho comes into Nevada and beats them on their home turf 33 to 6 in an absolute embarrassment for the Nevada Wolfpack football program. Uh this is a team that the Kansas Jayhawks should dominate from the start since this game is out west. It's going to be a 9.30 Central time kickoff for us here in the Midwest. Uh, it's going to air on CBS Sports Network, so it's not going to be a featured ESPN game or anything like that. This is going to be on CBS Sports Network. I'll be watching it. It's going to be some fun uh, Big 12 after dark. That's what I like to call it. Playing the University of Nevada there. Uh, KU should dominate this game. There shouldn't be much issue for the Jayhawks here. KU is a 28 28- Point favorite as of the recording of this podcast I would not be shocked if it moves up, moves up closer to 30 points maybe 31 even by the time kickoff happens at 9 30 on Saturday night no matter what the spread is there 28 points I mean I'm still leaning on Kansas at this point to cover the spread and win by f- at least four touchdowns probably more than that but here's here's a little bit of of a concern for Kansas. Not that I think Kansas is going to lose or that they're going to struggle against Nevada or anything like that, but Kansas is going to be without a couple of defensive starters in the first half this week due to some very questionable targeting calls in the second half of the Illinois game. I'm just going to go on a bit of a rant here for a second. I don't like the targeting rules in college football. I I like that they call the targeting. I say, you know what? If you want to kick the guy out of the game for targeting... That's fine. They review it. They make sure that it's actually a targeting call. All that's fine. But kicking a player out of a game and then holding it over into the first half of the next game, I think that is ridiculous. Now, I know in the NFL, you can find players for targeting. You can't do that in college football. So they try to make up this rule as, oh, well, since we can't find them, we got to do something to punish them more than just kicking them out for the second half of a football game. So they say, all right, we'll hold them out of the first half of the next game if they get kicked out of the second half for a targeting call. And that happened to two Kansas players this past week against Illinois. And these were both questionable targeting calls. The first one on Austin Booker, who, by the way, had two sacks in the game against Illinois, is going to miss the first half against Nevada, and this happened on, I believe it was a two-point conversion play. Uh, Austin Booker goes in to try to sack the quarterback. He actually moved his head to the side of the quarterback, so he didn't spear him in the chest, which is what they called on the field. I still don't know how they missed this on the replay. He moved his head to the right side of the quarterback's body, so he didn't spear him, he didn't target him. He hit him in the chest with his shoulder pad. That is called a tackle. That is what you do in football. So that was the first one. That really had me heated on Friday night when I was watching this game. When they threw him out when they throw Austin Booker out of the game for a targeting call, which should not have even been a targeting call to begin with. He's out in the first half. And then you have Kobe Bryant, your maybe your best defensive player, certainly your best cornerback on the team, all Big Twelve performer, preseason all Big Twelve cornerback uh you got kobe bryant who got hit for a targeting on a hit which again he used his shoulder going in on a guy who ducked his head into him again this is uh you could call this targeting i say on the field but when you review it and whether you're going to kick a guy out for the first half of another game they should have reviewed that and they should have taken it off the board because this player from Illinois certainly ducked his head into Kobe Bryant. Bryant doesn't have time to move out of the way. Some of these targeting calls, are they're very questionable. I understand it's a bang-bang play. But when you have a chance to review it, not only during the game, but when the officiating crews can review it after the fact, after the game ends, to see if the players should be still held out of the first half, and they continue to hold on to that because they don't want to make their refs look bad, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. So Kansas is going to be without Austin Booker, who had two sacks last game, and Kobe Bryant, who's one of their uh, best defensive players, certainly their best cornerback, going to be out for the first half of that game. KU, like we talked about all along, has a deep secondary. It's one of their strengths. Uh, Quentin Lassiter, Kaelin Garvin, both going to be out there filling in for Kobe Bryant in the first half. And then for Austin Booker, You've got senior Patrick Joyner Jr. who can fill in for him. They have a lot of guys that like to move around on the defensive line. They uh, added a lot of depth through the transfer portal. It's showing up through the first couple of weeks of the season. KU's defense being a strength is not something that I had on my bingo card. I'm excited for that. I'm excited the defense is able to maybe overcome not having Austin Booker and Kobe Bryant in the first half of this game. And the... They should move on to 3-0 on the season. They're going to be uh, playing a Nevada team who isn't very good. My official prediction before the season even started was KU's going to win this game 55-10. And I don't have any reason to change my mind on that prediction from what I've seen through the first two weeks of the season for both of these teams. So give me KU 55, Nevada 10. That would mean KU covers that 28-point spread. If it gets up to 31 points, covers that as well. So I like KU winning comfortably winning comfortably, winning big in this game in a dominating performance before they host their first conference game next weekend against BYU. And remember, this game is on CBS Sports Network, 9.30 Central Time kickoff. KU Nevada should be a fun one on Saturday night. All right, before we close out this podcast today, quick basketball note, Kansas is going to be hosting the number one recruit in the nation for the 24, uh, 2024 class, Cooper Flagg. Going to be coming to hang out during their late night at the Fog event October 6th. He's going to be at KU on campus for the weekend of October 6th through October 8th. Uh, He has official visits to UConn and Duke after that. Right now, Duke is the heavy favorite to land Cooper flag when he was a kid. He was a Duke fan. He grew up saying he wanted to play basketball at Duke. However, if you're the Kansas Jayhawks, all you got to do is get him on campus and you have a chance. They did that with Hunter Dickinson in the transfer portal. They got him on campus. They landed him. Uh, now they've got one of the, the top transfers this season for Kansas. And then you've also got uh Florey Badunga, who's uh the number one center in the 2024 class. Kansas already landed him. So that could be a selling point as well. You've got the number one 2024 class center. That can hold some weight as they're trying to get more prospects in here. So when you have the Late Night at the Fog event, that's always a huge event every year. Alumni come back. You've got some uh, famous people. They had Snoop Dogg a couple years ago. They had Shaq in the house last year. When you get a guy like Cooper Flagg seeing that, you've got the uh, history of the Kansas Jayhawks basketball program. You've got the tradition And it is something that once you step into Allen Fieldhouse, it is the mecca of college basketball. And when Cooper Flagg sees that, his first time on the court in Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence, Kansas, maybe there's something that just overtakes him and says, you know what, screw Duke. I'm staying at Kansas. I'm not even going to go visit UConn. I'm not going to go visit Duke. I'm just going to stay at Kansas. Forget my last semester of high school. I'm just going to stay in Lawrence, Kansas. I'm going to go to Lawrence Free State. I'm going to go to the... Lawrence high. It doesn't matter. I'm going to stay right here. It's probably going to go, not going to go like that, but you never know. Uh, Cooper flag, the number one recruit. I'm excited to see him in Lawrence in October. It's going to be a good time there at late night at the fog. All right. That does it for today's episode. Hopefully we'll be coming back next week. Talking about a big Kansas win over Nevada, moving to three, and zero on this season. Uh, you can always get at me on Twitter. Follow me there at Hawker talker. We're always talking during the games. You can get at me there. Keep the conversation going. Download, subscribe, give this podcast a five-star rating. My name is Mark Van Sickle. You've been listening to the Jay Hawker Talker podcast in affiliation with the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. Check, check out my latest article over there at heartlandcollegesports.com. See what everybody has going on over there. But until next time, rock chalk, Jayhawk.